Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Lock, 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 you know, as we start this show, this one might be... There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Today, Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And if you can do that, then people talk a lot about their training staff. Yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. Welcome to the Real Sports Guys, where real guys talk real sports. RSG Renegade Radio, we in the house with an addition of one mic where we got the three-man rotation in the house. I won't call it the three-man booth because that's, that's, that's set aside for the big show. But we do got Hank in the house, so we got the three-man rotation going. All right? Uh, we got my man D. Wills. What's good, D? Man, I'm happy. I like I, like, I was telling you all in the text, this feel like that old Syracuse team with Billy Owens and, uh, and Douglas where they were just throwing the ball up and somebody was just catching it, ooping it. So I feel like it's going to be that kind of night tonight. All right, all right. I'm going to play point four. I'm going to be Billy Owens then. I'm going to be Billy Owens. You know, Hank could be DT and you could be Shern. <laughs> I'm going to play a little point and then I'm going to go off the ball later, though. I'm going to go off the ball later. <laughs> My man, Hank. Love how you living out there, brother? Man, let me tell you something. As the old Southern folks used to say back in the day, boy, I'm happier than a hog and slop. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is this the best time of the year for me? I'm loving it. I'm loving what's going on up this way. It has just been a love fest. Let's keep it going. And this then this Wednesday night is becoming one of my favorite nights of the year. Let's keep that going, too. Excellent, excellent. So we got a lot of energy. We got a lot to get into. So we're going to jump in with an edition of the Funky Editorial. We are going to jump in to this like we always do. With a little soul, with a little flavor, let's go ahead. Fellas, the one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, right. Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. We want to rock. Yeah, 
All right. So Colin Kaepernick, my man Cap, has I mean, Captain switched the whole game up. <laughs> My man got the Angela Davis afro. He didn't pick that bad boy all the way out. <laughs> I mean, I saw Cap. I was like, is that Cap? <laughs> I mean, he going he going full out. I mean, other than showing up to the game in a leather jacket and a turtleneck. <laughs> with a beret on. <laughs> He going all the way back. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, that's that Bay Area, that Bay Area, that Berkeley. He got the little red book. I mean, he doing it all. And I'm telling you, you know what? I gotta tell you, he looked like when I was a kid. When I was a kid, we used to draw like uh, a triangle, and then put like a circle on top of it. And then we would put like two eyes, and then we would color in the bottom of the triangle, and we would call that Soul Man. It looks just like Colin Kaepernick come to life, just like him. <laughs> well, that's what he is, man, because he is representing. Um, he's the. I mean, it's caused a lot of controversy, a lot of conversation. Um, he is protesting, standing for the national anthem. I felt a lot of different ways about this. Um, I kind of quickly recap my feelings. Initially, I was like, cool, you know, yeah, do your thing, represent. And then, you know, as more and more people, uh, professional people started to comment on it, um, you know, they started to kind of pit different ways of protesting against one another. Well, he should have did it like Carmelo and, and LeBron and, and, and the WNBA and all these different other athletes that have spoken out and kind of, comparing it to how other athletes have spoken out. And I thought that was a fairly appropriate conversation. I think you can do that, right? We can be civil and kind of have that kind of conversation. And obviously then it totally devolved. Yeah, it totally went a whole different direction. Um, with And you can't – and I don't know, man. I just feel like you can't do – you can't say anything about uh, supporting your people if you're African-American without people making it that you're anti-police or you're anti – this or you're anti that. How come I can't just love my people? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's where Cap is stuck in that he feels like the country is unfair. This is his way of, of, of protesting and saying something about it. Um, but again, everything is twisted around. Um, and, I, you know, it's because stupid people have phones, right? And stupid people have phones, and now we are privy to their conversations. And so we get to peek into things that were always said, but now they're said, over social media, and now we 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 can react to it. And so I, I just stopped paying attention. Honestly, I was like, he going to keep doing it. You can feel how you want to feel about it, but he going to keep doing it. At the end of the day, ain't nobody going to stop this man from doing what he's going to do. So why are we still talking about it? <laughs> you know what I mean? How did you feel about it, Hank? Listen, there's a, there's a couple ways I feel about it. Um, but, but I kind of want to go back to the fact that when he started this protest, now keep in mind, that Colin Kaepernick did sat down for the national anthem during a preseason game. All right, I don't know how many of y'all watched the national anthem in the first place during the preseason game, much less during the regular season, or even that they broadcasted for that matter. But somehow somebody caught him sitting there, and it brought all his attention to himself. All right, I don't know if he told somebody, "Check me out, I'm going to do this," or what. But it's like. How did y'all see that, and then why did you bring that up if you were the announcer? So he said what was on his mind. Now, 
we live in a country where we go all crazy about the Second Amendment gun rights, First Amendment freedom of speech. I'm here in Ann Arbor where just several years ago it was okay for the Ku Klux Klan to march on Main Street or march right in front of City Hall. All right, they were protected. Okay, you may not like what people say, but they have a right to say it. You may not like the way people are protesting, but they have a right to protest it. And you're absolutely right. You know, if it's a person of color or someone who tries to speak out about something, all of a sudden everybody goes crazy, all right? But it all depends on who the individual is. Whether you want to believe it or not, we're in this country where if I protest something, oh, I've got to be anti this. All of a sudden assumptions is made. We need to be a little bit more open-minded to what is going on and why people feel the need to protest. Okay, and if we did that as a country, maybe we wouldn't be so divided. We'd probably be a little bit more diverse. We talk about it all the time. But unfortunately, you know, you, you want to jump all over this man for this, but, you know, we're supposed to be a country of freedom of religion. Y'all remember um, uh, Mahmoud abdul Rauf when he was playing with the, with the Nuggets for uh, several years ago? He was a Jehovah Witness, I believe, so he didn't stand up for the flag. That tried to cost that man his, his career. The problem is that you have a right, okay? America, you, it can be great, but it's got some flaws, all right? Nobody ever said that uh, you cannot, you know, uh, have a protest, have a word of speech. And that's the one thing I got about it. He has a right to, you know, exercise his First Amendment rights, and I applaud him for it. I also want to know Agreed. who's doing his pro because it looks late. Hey, don't it, don't it, it's right. It is late. Look here, it ain't, he ain't got one of them nephew not froze. You know, he went somewhere out in Beverly Hills and got that fro laid. I'm telling you, he got the, he got them uh, coming to America, Prince Hakeem, juices and berries in his fro. You know what I'm saying? I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but... It, and, 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 and with a fro like that, you don't plan on getting in the game because you ain't going to put a helmet on that. <laughs> Ooh, no, ain't no, no. Ain't helmet's going over all that hair. No. So he knows look he here. ain't getting in when he come out with the you fro. You know he ain't getting in. If he do it, look here. That that that, that dude is going to be packed tight. Okay, he's going to need a rake to unloosen that stuff from his scalp. And if you look here, any of y'all that know what I'm talking about, that hurt. I still got pain, and I'm bald-headed now. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, you know, again, as I reflect on kind of the evolution of this whole story and how it kind of has evolved, you know, my initial reaction was, okay, Cap, right, you're going to sit for the anthem and you're drawing attention to this, but then what? You know, and the then what, I think, the then what phase, I think, is where we're at. So we've seen mm-hmm. a spike in Colin Kaepernick jersey sales. Um, he already donated a million of his own money. Um, if I'm if I'm correcting this, he donated a million of his own money to community organizations in the Bay Area, and now that his jersey has spiked to the number one jersey seller, he's taking the money that he was going to get from selling his from the sales of his jersey, and then funneling that back into the communities um, with with don- through donations to different organizations. Um, so you know, again, when I initially kind of saw this evolve, and I was like, cool, yeah, you're not going to stand for the national anthem. You're making a statement. How big of a statement is that? Um, yeah. And then, and then, what is it going to lead to, right? Because for me, you know, when I, I think, I think, unfortunately, and this is me being an educator, I think the school system is kind of duped 
folks into thinking that protesting is marching and marching automatic just because you marched, you're going to get something done, not understanding that's a leverage point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, Dr. King wasn't just marching to be marching. You know, he was causing inconveniences that then made you had to recognize what he was talking about, you know, and he was willing to sustain that inconvenience. You know, nowadays people will march, you know, they'll have a stop the violence march, and they'll march up and down the street for an hour, and then they're gone. Right. You know, how much right. of an inconvenience did you call? Like, where, how, how, how did you leverage your presence into making somebody give you something that you didn't have before? And that's, to me, why you protest. Because you're trying well, to leverage it's, it's, your voice. It's convenient as long as it's convenient for you, you see? Yeah. Right, right. And so this was one of those things where I was like, okay, so is he is he kind of like, you know, faking the funk with the protest? I'm going to sit doing the national anthem, but then not do nothing else? You know, one of those one of those fake protests, one of those pseudo protests, like I'm trying to do something. I'm trying to look mm-hmm. like I'm doing something, but not really doing something. But he's totally flipped that, you know? And again, I didn't yeah. cast judgment on the brother. I just said, let me see where he's going with this. And now you can see it's deeper for him. Um, and it's something mm-hmm. bigger for him. And he's got other athletes kind of jumping on the bandwagon. Um, the thing that kind of has irked me a bit is that we get people talking about, and you kind of hinted at this, how, you know, he's offending the military because the military went over and fought for these freedoms. Yeah, they fought for him to be able to do this. And if he wasn't able to do this, then their fighting was in, the fighting and the dying that the military has done to protect us, to honor our freedoms, would have been in vain if he is not allowed to do this, you know. And exactly. that's that's the thing that people don't understand. That's the people that that's the thing that people don't under don't get. Like freedom is freedom, <laughs> and you know what I mean. Like he's not trying to disrespect the military by sitting. He's actually honoring their their, their sacrifices because he is exercising his rights to the fullest. He is making right. a conscious choice to to do this. He ain't doing this out of ignorance. He's not doing it because he's unaware. Of the impact of it, he knows good and well what he's doing. He's thought about it, and as you said, how did the media know? I think he went to people and said, and I think he had to kind of go to go to the the coaches and the management um, and the uh, executives in San Francisco and say, "Hey, I'm about to do this. This is going, you know, y'all gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? As well as I'm gonna have to deal with it. So I just want to give y'all a heads up, and maybe that may have gotten out to the media that he was going to be doing this." Um, but it, it is created I mean, I, a. Go ahead, D. I was going to add into it that you know I also heard uh, what Mark Mahill, who's one of his fraternity brothers, um, also had a conversation with him, and so you know he has. Um, and I think this is part of the thing about these athletes is that they, they they do have that go beyond athletics, and you know you know someone like Mark Mahill. Is someone who is really politically conscious and really talks to him about, um, you know, what's the next move? Like, you know, you know, um, and and I think this came out of it. He's like, like you really, really, I guess when they had the conversation about, you know, what's your which which what's your plan, right? And because part of a lot of the movements we have now, I think you just hit on it, is that this this movement without a without a platform, like what are specific things you want to do. And, and I think that's what you, you saw. And I think the other thing that missing, I think Marcus, you'll, you'll appreciate it, is that the moment that it feels like the timing of the moment of that kind of pushed him in, people forget that uh, he was born, well, he was born in Milwaukee. So, you know, don't, there's a connection with some of the activity that was happening in Milwaukee. And if you think about the timing of what he did, it was in Milwaukee. 
close. And I think that might have been, I mean, he has been politically active on his social media for a while. Uh, but I think that kind of brought it home for him in another way. Even though he didn't spend most of his upbringing in Wisconsin and Milwaukee, I think that kind of turned him uh, 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 again. And so, you know, part of the issue that I have, I think Bamadi Jones even brought this up, is that people are always asking these athletes what they're going to do with their money. But there's nothing they, those same people don't have a plan for how they're going to use their resources to push it. And right. what, I, what I'm really nervous about this conversation is, is is so focused on what cap needs to do with the money, but all these people who say they care in another way, they are not demonstrating any actions through their work about how they're actually doing it. Um, and and that's the hypocrisy of it that people have with this, is that they want to tell him how to spend his money, but they, they don't have a plan for how they're actually going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as we dig into this hypocrisy, right, the hypocrisy of it. And, again, I kind of laid low on this whole kind of situation because I'm just kind of watching it play out. And, again, after about a week or so, a, a couple of weeks of it, I kind of got, like, tired of it. Like, I, I don't want to – I don't yeah. – you know, I, like, logged off social media. Like, I don't want to hear – I want to see another post with something. And what's with yeah. people, listeners out there, stop – people everywhere, stop writing open letters. If I read one more open letter <laughs> – like, if I read one more open letter, I'm going to throw my computer. Like, stop. Stop writing these open letters. All right? I'm done with that. Like, that's, all, that's, a, that's a dead move. That move is dead. Retire that move. Put it away. You know what I mean? Skyhook that. Skyhook that bad boy. It has passed its time. It has passed its effectiveness. All right? It's just too many open letters. So like, you know, I got I got I got tired of all of it. I stepped away. Um but the hypocrisy of who has come out and kind of um linked up with the opposition to what Kaepernick is doing. Um, you know, people like Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, just dudes just like, man, y'all need you need to go sit down. <laughs> yeah, you see? Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah, Ben, sit down. I'm, I, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, but Ben, sit down. Ain't that the pot what on the you? kettle black? You know he needs to sit down and hush. <laughs> right, right. Well, you got real offenses against people, man. You know, if yeah. people are talking about, you know, he should be cut, Mike is in his career, I wish the 49ers would cut him, man. I would. I, I, I promise you this. I would not watch a single NFL game if that were to happen. I promise you that. I would. Yeah. I would. I would boycott because I was I was kind of mm-hmm. on the experience about fantasy football this year and doing fantasy football because I'm just yeah. kind of like, you know, through all of this turmoil, the NFL had been pretty silent. And I just didn't know if yeah. I could really, really engage in, in, in football like I usually do because I just feel like basketball players have set such an example of like going out and trying to engage, have a voice. And basketball is different in that way because – the rosters are different. It's a smaller roster. Guys' contracts are guaranteed. But a lot of these high-profile football players, you know, haven't been speaking out about things that directly or indirectly affect them, their family members, their children, um, people in their community, and have not been saying anything about it. And I was kind of like, yo, y'all got to step up and, and be a part of this. Otherwise, we're not, yes. not going to make the progress we need to make. You know, it needs to be in yeah. people's faces on a regular basis, the things that are going on in certain communities around this country. Um, and, not, and not just with brutality, but with 
economic discrepancies, the lack of jobs and opportunities, uh, the deterioration of public education, the deterioration of public services in general in certain communities. All of this needs to be brought to light in how certain communities are left to die. And it's not, it's not discussed. It's something that's sweeped away, and we, we forget about it on Sundays. But most of those dudes that are running out there on Sundays came from someplace, something like that. Or they're one, or they're yeah. one generation removed from that situation. You know, it, it ain't that, it ain't that far from where they, where they came from. Um, and so mm-hmm. to kind of not be engaged in that conversation was bothersome to me. Um, but then on the flip side, to have the NFL and organizations and teams be okay with having Greg Hardy types, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, other players who have uh, who was the dude Little Little uh, yeah. last name was Little. He played for the Rams yeah. a couple years ago. Had a couple DUI incidents yeah. where he had uh, he had some uh, unintentional homicides or whatever. And yeah. it's just like, yo, we got people that have killed people. We have people that have injured physically injured people. We have people you know who are using drugs. And y'all mad because this brother exercised the right that harmed no one. Um, and yeah, if he if he were to get cut, I'd have been done. Um, because of that, right? If he get cut because he can't play no more, that's a whole nother story, right? And that's a piece of it too. I wish Cap were balling <laughs> because then, then it would really be in their face. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on the idea that uh, Hank? I want to get your thoughts. Then D jump in. What are your thoughts on the idea that there was even a conversation about him potentially being cut, given the passes that the NFL consistently gives? to people who have done much worse things. Well, that wouldn't have been nothing but hypocrisy. I mean, you, you, you mentioned it. I mean, if, if you're not making the money or if you're not uh, one of those, these kind of players, the NFL has been soft on it. I mean, the NFL, you know, the, like again, the hypocrisy when we talk about the NFL is just is ridiculous, okay? You give a guy two games for beating the hell out of his wife, out of his wife but you give Tom Brady four games because you think he knows something about, about somebody else inflating a damn football. I mean, it's stupid. <laughs> it's ignorant. I mean, it, it, it's not – you can't even call that a fairy tale, all right? So to even have conversation, especially when everybody knows what's going on, what's on the front page of what's going on in this country, okay? They have, Dee and I have talked about – uh, some of the protests that the WNBA had made. What 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 uh, the the players made the, uh, said at the ESPYS. Okay, everybody has said something. Okay, if you look at it as a whole, Colin Kaepernick is right there in in, in lockstep with the rest of these athletes and and protesting the same thing for the for anybody truly for anybody in the NFL talking about cutting him for making a protest. It's a laughable, and you're absolutely right. I think that somebody took a step back and said, wait a minute, hold on, slow your roll. Because I, I, some, some owners did come out and say they wouldn't even sign him if they cut him. And that, and that told you all you need to know about those owners and how, you know, out of touch they really are. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it, it's, it's laughable just to watch how Roger Goodell and the owners of the NBA, NFL even handle themselves. And, and you can just they are so out of touch, it just makes you want to vomit. I mean, and yeah, I, I'll yeah, add, I, and I, yeah, and I'm at. I mean, Hank, you just hit some really good points, and I, I will say this: you know, Roger Goodell just came out, and in fact, it surprised me in terms of 
the way in which he responded to Cap in terms of um, supporting him. But I, I, my answer to your question, it, it feels very Mahmoudish in a sense that, you know, it, you know, Chris, before, formerly known as Chris Jackson, you know, what happened to him in, in the NBA um, and, and uh, uh, when he came out and how he systematically got removed. And so what you hear was these laying of these tracks. Uh, uh, you start to hear because Cap, you know, what people don't, you know, know as publicly is that he, he is Muslim. He converted his, you know, his, um, I don't know, his wife or whatever. So, so you start hearing those tracks being laid. And then you start to hear, you know, well, you know, he is diminishing athletically. So, you know, this, the tracks get laid on players um, in ways. And that's why I got nervous because they're laying the tracks. And uh, to the 49ers' credit, and, you know, it's for football play, they held on to him. Um, but, that's the, but that's the culture of currently of football at all, at all high levels. There are no more athletes who I, I feel sometimes are less likely to step outside of their comfort zone at this time than football players at any level. And, and so, you know, if you, if you, you know, Marcus, you know, both, all of us have spent time in large college uh, program environments and, no one is held in check more on campuses and athletic programs than football players because it's the cash cow at all levels and the way in which they do it. And so um, that's why it was so extraordinary that Cap took this position because they, they plant seeds in their mind because of the nature of the sport that, that provide these folks with a level of fear that they can't bounce back because of the economic structure. And so – you know, for Cap to be able to do this and keep growing faster is is something to be applauded because that that's what stood out to me is the systematic way in which I feel like he's going to be broken down. There's going to be some Hodges type stuff. Now think about it. Think about how Hodges got pushed out the league at the time when he was playing. You know, it was that. I think, and I think the NBA learned something from that too. They still living on those wounds. You know, on the same principle, and so. The NBA is 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 growing in that. The NFL's got a way to go, ways to go. They really do. Agreed, agreed. And I think that's I think that's what again for me has been a turnoff with the NFL is that you know these brothers is talking about the NBA and the guaranteed contracts and the money that's getting thrown around. Y'all can get money too if y'all willing to stand on y'all two feet for something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Cap is doing that. You know what I mean? But if y'all didn't want, if y'all want guaranteed contracts, y'all can leverage it. Y'all can make it happen. Yes. It's going to take y'all to yes. suck it up. It's going to take y'all to sacrifice. Yes. Ain't nobody going to hand it to yes. you. You know, it don't work yes. that way, but you can get that. You can have guaranteed contracts. You know, you, you're you not going to yes. get the money that uh, people get in other sports because nobody has to split their money 53 ways, but you can still have a guaranteed contract um, yes. if you're willing to stand well, up and make it happen. And the one thing I want to say is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, as somebody in education, I appreciate discourse. So I don't mind people having an opinion. I think the part that hurts me with his ex-teammate in Minnesota, and uh, when, you, when you think about Roethlisberger, is when these, when these guys make these, take these positions, you don't often hear them first acknowledge that there's something that needs to be done. Right? You, they, so they, they, they get real patriotic with it, but they don't acknowledge 
you know, even though they got teammates in their space who you and I have been in locker rooms, these discussions happen, especially in football locker rooms. And what disturbs me is they don't acknowledge that there's something that needs to be done before offering that they, they would not share that position. That's the part that bothers me the most about their remarks, which, which then says you don't get it. And that's the part that you never hear. You never hear them saying, I agree that there's some really important issues we need to address. However, boom, I would not have done it in this way. They always just stop and take this kind of position, you know, against Cap on this paycheck stuff that feels like they're using that as a way of growing their brand. They are. That's exactly what they're doing. And and not just growing the brand, but also undermining the message, right? Yeah. Like, we're not going to deal with what you're actually talking about. We're going to talk about this other thing. You know what I mean? It's patriotism instead of talking about actually the statement you're trying to make. And it's, it's, it's somewhat of an underhanded slap in the face to Cap because it's like you're trying to bring attention to this particular issue, but we're going to totally change the conversation and talk about whether you should even be doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not even – he could do it. <laughs> There's nothing – he can't do it. You know what the biggest irony of this is that both of you all know we spend time in barbershops in our communities that most of our military is brown. Cap knows that. He, he's in the Bay Area, a port city, where a lot of military people have stops. He, he played football in Nevada, a, a major military space. He knows that most of the people you're talking about look like him. Like yeah, a, yep, a high right. percentage of our military is brown. So that's a when people talk about the military, he's aware, believe me, that, you know, we all know the famous line, you know, uh, 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 in Boys in the Hood from Lawrence Fishburne. You know, we all had to watch, you know, about the military. So, so we, we, I mean, we are, most people who people of color, just for folks to know, we know that much, a lot of the military is, are, are made up of brown folks. In some ways, and so we understand the patriotism and the sacrifice of that because many folks in our communities end up using that as a pathway um, of a choice that they go on and do it. And I know Cap is probably pretty aware of that, particularly being in the Bay Area where there are a lot of folks who are there at Port of Call. So I think that's the part that people miss about this. Right. But I think what what, what really kind of irks me is that that's where everybody wants to go. You know, they immediately want to throw the military in and say that he's disrespecting the military or he's doing something. And, see, the military ain't got nothing to do with what he's talking yeah. about. Granted, mm-hmm. I understand. You, they, you fight for the country. I don't know of too many people where have have not been impacted by the military somewhere. Either someone served or they served yeah. as close to them they're in their family. Everybody impacted by the military that is that to me is a cop-out okay yeah. when you're talking about the national anthem about how great this country is and here's someone who said i want to draw attention to an epidemic that's going on in this country which is i don't believe makes this country as great and, and i'm not going to stand up and and do this because of this and i want to draw attention to this and first thing anybody wants to throw up this military and you said it you know the military yeah. fight for all these freedoms that we have 
to the point where I can say that I want to be able to protest this, but yet you want to go right back to that, everybody who, who no. do that, and then you've got military people who, who fight for those same freedoms. Again, it's hypocrisy. And, that, and, yeah. and that's the thing I think that when you stop and think about it, really kind of ticks you off because it's like he's making a point. Leave the military out of it. He has not, he has not spit on not one American who's fought for this country. And in fact, he's saying that you guys fought for this. But this is actually what's happening here. That's right. And it's it, interesting. I call that the political rope of dope. Yeah. Of <laughs> course. Anytime it gets too hot, folks are on the rope, and that's the that's the out move. That's you know that's like when when a boxer's on the rope and they they spin off the rope, you know, and get out the corner. That's the move. It's always that move because people don't really want to deal with the issue. And 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 you can tell because when they make the criticism, they don't then come back with a solution. Right. They exactly. just stop with the criticism. And then if you push it for the next step, they ain't got another move. Like, okay, mm. let's take that away. Is, 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 he, is he talking about a really important issue? And then they pause. Well, right. issue domestic. Yes, yeah. So I think that's part of the challenge that we have with it. And that's why I say I, what I, I love about Captain Nick is he's got a really good, diverse support group around him who are help, working with him to navigate this. Um, because it can be, you know, he, he also has to focus on making sure he delivers for his teammates because <laughs> he's going to play. And oh, so, he's going to play. You know, yeah, he's he going to play. Yeah. So uh, I want to transition us. We're going to talk some more NFL Let's go ahead and get into this five on the black hand side, a little something like this. Five, uh, five, uh, uh, on the black hand side. All right, this is this in the five on the black hand side. We're gonna give you five different topics um, and get the guys' opinions on each one. We're highlighting the NFL season. We'll start with topic number one. Uh, I'll start with you, D. Wills, and then Hank, you go, and then I'll go. Uh, what storylines are you checking for the most? For this coming NFL season, I'm calling the storyline in the line of fire. You know, young quarterback Dak Prescott, Trevor Simeon, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, what are they going to do? They they are stepping into the line and they in the line of fire. It's going to be interesting to see one of those three. I think is going to rise up and rise to the test, and I'm really going to see uh, what they do because that'll make all the difference in what these teams wanted to do and who were, they were in a position to do when we started looking at them at the beginning of the season. So that's the storyline I'm really going to, um, at least the initial one I'm going to be paying attention to um, in this season is how, how these particularly three quarterbacks um, do being thrust into this space. Okay, okay. Hey, what storyline are you looking at? Well, you know what? We're, we're real close there, D. We're real close there. I'm looking at the, the 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 withouts, and I'm talking about a Minnesota without Bridgewater. I'm talking about the Patriots yeah. without Brady. I'm talking about the Broncos without Manny. You know, this is going to be real interesting. You know, when we talk about uh, uh, what the, the the young quarterbacks coming in, all right. But now, unfortunately for Minnesota, Minnesota looks like they're about to make a move, okay. And then Teddy yeah. had that freak accident. Okay, where well he was he wasn't hit, but he blows his knee up. 
you know. But then, and then we see, again, we talk about the hypocrisy and the politics that's going on with New England, with Brady going to be out. You, you, you brought up Gar- Garofalo. I can't even say his name. And won't nobody say his name after week four. But, we, but we're going to watch the first four weeks, you know. And then, again, you brought up Trevor Simeon. We talked about this last week, last time, D. You know, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. And now you see Sanchez is gone, so we already know what's going on there. But that, those are three teams that, that look, look like they're going to do something. And now one of the most main positions, they've got to figure out what's that going to look like this season, the withouts. Okay. All right, so so you looking at young quarterbacks or the first-timers, D, all right? Hank, you looking at the teams without their main guy. I'm looking at the comebacks. Right, I'm looking at the comebacks. Got RG3 trying to bring 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 himself back and resurrect his mm-hmm. career in Cleveland. I'm mm-hmm. watching that situation closely. I want that brother to be successful. I've I've yeah. had mixed feelings about kind of how his team, because I think it's really important how your teammates view you. Right, you, we all know the locker room is a place, and if the guys in the locker room ain't got your back, you're doing something wrong. Because mo- most times they will have your back just because you're one of them. You know, you get that respect off GP. You usually get that off general principle. We got your back because you're one of us. When they kind of out you in the media, you doing something wrong in the locker room that's not endearing yourself to the guys in that locker room. I felt like that was the case with RG3 in Washington. I'm looking to see now that he has a fresh start, new locker room, can he reinvent himself and can he recapture that magic, right? Again, looking at three, four years ago, RG3, Colin Kaepernick, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, we were talking about these four guys as the future quarterback in the NFL. Russell Wilson has gone on to win Super Bowls, but the, those other three names are looking to make comebacks. I'm hoping Cap can get back on the field and recapture some of the magic that he had two, three years ago. Um, and even more importantly, now that he's kind of taken this step and, and kind of put himself out um, making this political statement, Again, if he's balling, I think it makes that statement even louder and stronger and gives him more leverage to be more vocal, um, whereas people can't try and squeeze him out if he's playing well. they gotta got to live with that, you know. Um, so I'm looking to see Cap kind of recapture and how his season evolves and how his season goes. And then the third one I'm looking at as far as comebacks to quarterbacks is Andrew Luck. Um, Andrew Luck was kind of the golden boy, um, but last year was a rough year for him. He was injured a lot. Mm-hmm. His offensive line, um, you know, they couldn't they couldn't block a they couldn't block a Facebook post. <laughs> mm, <I'm telling laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, these brothers couldn't block anything, you know. So he's kind of coming back, and he's got to try and reestablish himself as a marquee quarterback. He's got the huge paycheck now, um, and he is in a similar position that I think Cam Newton was in last year when Cam was coming back from the ankle issues that had plagued him the season before. And it was kind of an up-and-down season. Um, and then Cam came back, he was healthy, and he set the league on fire. I'm not saying Luck is going to do that, but that narrative is in place, and we've seen that play out with Cam. And they were about to, at the same point, you know, fourth, fifth year in their career. And we saw Cam kind of really take his game to another level and put himself in that conversation as potentially face of the league. Um, I think Andrew Luck is in a position to possibly – kind of put himself in that position as well. So those are three coming uh, comeback stories at the quarterback position that I'm looking at, looking forward to um, keeping an eye on as the season evolves uh, this year. All right? So as we move on to number two, 
what non-playoff team from 2015 do we think is going to make the playoffs in 2016 and why? Hank, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, you know what? You can't look no further than the New York Jets. They made a very strong push, finished 10-6 and six last year. But uh, And if it wasn't for the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs just flat out lost their minds, they might have got in there as a, as, a, as a wild card. But they bring back pretty much everybody from last year's team, uh, a team that I think is very hungry, got a sniff. You know, again, just uh, they bring it back everybody. Okay, a win here, a win there, and they're in. So you, you can't look too winning record. I'm looking for the Jets to make the push. All right, so you're looking at the Jeff D-Wills. Who's the team that you think that was out of the playoffs last year that will be back in the mix this year? Well, I'm going to stay in the AFC. And uh, if Lamar, if you're listening, you're probably going to like this. Actually, you're the only person from the Midwest I know who still loves this team as a favorite team. is the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I think uh, Blake Bortles had 35 touchdowns last year. Um, I think um, – he won't have as many touchdowns. I think he'll have about 25 TDs because I think they'll have a much balanced, more balanced offense. Um, they got uh, Miles Jack on defense. Uh, they got Warner. I think I believe he played at Florida State. Gus Black Bradley to really kind of help young guys uh, strengthen their defense. And I think that's going to be very important. But I, I think reason why is that the combination of Yeldon and Ivory. I think in a division that is still in flux, um, I think they got the most kind of solid foundation. I think they're built to win. Uh, I think they challenge Indianapolis and some of that, J.J. Uh, Watt and them. I think when you look at weaknesses in that division, I think they got more strengths. Um, and I think they are going to be the team that is going to be more consistent um, uh, this year and can come out of that, that AFC South. Think right there. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of counter that a little bit, D, uh, with my pick. Um, and I'm picking the Indianapolis Colts um, coming out of the AFC South, right? I think that's a division that um, between the Jaguars and the Colts, it'll come down to those two teams, and they both could make the playoffs. So maybe I'm not countering your yeah. your, your argument at all. Um, but I think the Colts, and again, Andrew Luck, he got the money. He's got to get this team to the playoffs, um, and I think. It may be the AFC may be a little bit easier to get a team in this year. Um, you know, the Patriots are going to be, you know, they'll probably win the AFC East. Um, maybe the Jets jump up and they're successful. Um, in the West, it's like the Broncos and the Raiders. You know, the North is always a dogfight. Um, and, and Baltimore is a team that I would watch out for in that league, too. They're kind of sliding under the radar. Nobody's really talking about the Ravens, but I can see them being, being good again. Um, sooner than we we think. Harbaugh's can coach, and we know this. Yeah. Harbaugh's can coach the football, and I can't see them being as bad as they were last year, again, if players are healthy. And I think they're going to have some people healthy. They fill some holes on that roster. But I like the Colts as a team, as my favorite, to kind of non-playoff team to have a shot to get back because of Andrew Luck. They have the pieces on offense. You know, they've drafted several wide receivers to give them some weapons on the perimeter. Frank Gore, um, he's, I mean, he ducking father time. Like, he owe him child support money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Frank I Gore mean, be done as a running back. I remember, like, he blew, I remember up, he when he blew his knee out at Miami, man. 
I mean, we, we were just hoping he's going to make it in the league, man. He's just been staying. I mean, well, he's telling me at Miami, we're like, oh, my goodness. He, you know, we're just hoping he's going to be there. You're right, boy. He's he, he, he been ducking five times. He really has. Hey, either he got to, either either he ducking five times or he got some pictures of him or something. And five times, it's like, we're going to leave him alone. <laughs> He, 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 he like got the, some pictures of like Father Time Jason. in Magic City or something. Hey, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's like the Jason Bourne of football. positions, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he's like the Jason Bourne right. of football. He, 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 he underneath, all underneath there. They can't detect him at all. Yeah, he, he, I'm telling he's you, he's on the run. I'm telling you. So you know, you got you got Frank Gore, and, and you got those receivers out there. And a, and a decent defense, and I think that's what it will say. I think the offense is going to carry the team, but if the defense can be decent, um, I think they can win the AFC South. I think Jacksonville will be improved and will be better. I see them more as a wild card team, but I think the Colts will win that division. So um, let's move on to number three. Number three, our 2016 breakout stars. So players we think, you know, people may have never heard of. By the end of the season, everybody's going to know who these guys are. Uh, so give me one guy who you think is going to break out this year, um, kind of come out of nowhere and be on everyone's radar um, going into next season. Uh, D. Wills, I'll start with you. Uh, I say Mike Evans from Tampa Bay. You know, uh, Texas A&M, uh, 6'5". You got to see his uh, latest, a great story on his situation in, on ESPN in terms of just really tough situations. Uh, but I believe in his first year, his rookie season, he had like 12 TDs. Last year was kind of a little bit down because it was Winston's first year. Um, but I just think, you know, with his size um, and his ability, and um, I think he's the next – he's got a competitiveness. Um, they've been talking a lot about uh, between him and Winston uh, really working on the, the deep ball where he can go up and, and use his size to battle. Um, I just think he – I think he has a, he has a want to to, to to be successful that I think is uh, uh, going to go. And I, I would just say my, my, my real slight – Behind that is Melvin Gordon um, with uh, Kent Wisenhunt as the OC out there. Um, he had a bad rookie year, but I think he's going to be back on track this year. But I, Mike Evans is my one. All right. All right, Hank, who's your breakout star? You know what? Uh, kind of for the same reasons, I chose Devin Funches uh, in Carolina. Yeah. Um, I think that when you look at a big receiver that's going to help out Cam Newton – uh, this kid's got a lot of talent, um, and and you know we saw flashes of it last year, but going where Carolina needs to go, they need to have a big target. Uh, you you talk to Cam Newton, I interview him, and they talk about Devin, they talk about Funches, and he just puts a smile on his face, and like for some of the same reasons, he started in college as a tight end, moved to wide receiver, and he's a he's a hard cover. He's a hard cover. He's got good hands. He needs to give. He gets right between his ears. He's, he can be one amazing um, wide receiver. I look for him to have a breakout year. Another one that I want to just bring up. Uh, my number two would be da- uh, uh, Dak Prescott. He's going to get a lot of time, and I understand him being a rookie, but I just think that it's going to be his team. I, I, I saw a little him, a little of him this preseason. I like what I see out of Dak Prescott. I look for him to. Pretty much, you know, the, I think the Tony Romo experience in Dallas is probably about to be over with. It feels like a Brady moment with him, but I'm, I'm going to leave you alone. It feels like I want to break the Brady 
uh, Drew Bree, uh, Drew, uh, what's the word? Exactly. Drew, uh, Don't Bledsoe. You're no, right. Bledsoe. It does. Bledsoe. Yeah, Bledsoe kind of moment. It feel, it feel that Bledsoe, yeah, Brady kind of moment happening right now. Because I watch him, and look how far uh, Mississippi State fell off since he's gone. I mean, there's exactly. something about – I love watching him in college. He has leadership skills that – and the way he plays and the toughness, the way he took – I mean, he's got a toughness about him. But I can see veteran players really respecting him, and he's got a competitiveness uh, exactly. and size. Uh, so and he's smart. So it, 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 I, I felt I felt like you know I know they love some Tony down there, but uh, Prescott is not afraid of a big moment. Listen, he, he's a he, he's a China doll now. Okay, yeah, Tony yeah. Romo. You can't keep having the injuries that he had. He's going to be lucky. He's, what, what's he going to do? Go out there on a the wheelchair? You know what, what is he is he going to start collecting veterans benefits? I mean, listen. It's, it's, it's over. You done had two or three back injuries, okay? And, 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 yeah, you can be tough for so long, then you start being foolish, all right? The Dallas has got a nice core of young players, all right? And, and, and they stole Dak Prescott. I thought Dak Prescott, like you said, D, I thought he was amazing in Mississippi State, all right? They need to go in that direction. I don't believe they're going to be a playoff team uh, with Tony Robo and without him because I don't think he's going to stay healthy. So, in my opinion, I think they should just go with the young man and see what he's got. Agree. Agree. I'm looking forward to seeing Dak do his thing um, in the Cowboys uniform. He's going to get a lot of opportunities early. Hopefully he can make good. Um, the, the player I have on, as my breakout this year um, is Derek Carr, quarterback for the Raiders. Um, I think the, the rise of the Raiders is good a pick. story that everybody wants to tell, and I think – He's going to be at the forefront of that. And I think by the end of the season, he's going to be talked about as an up-and-coming, no longer as an up-and-coming, but a very, very good quarterback on his way to being one of the elite guys, kind of in that right-to-next bubble after kind of the top five guys in the league. He's going to put himself in that conversation. And he's going to kind of put the Raiders as a uh, organization kind of back into a rele- – give them some relevancy – on a national scale. So I think he's going to break out not only as a, uh, as a player, but I think also as a, a, a face, right, in the NFL, especially with the talk of the Raiders potentially going to Vegas. Um, you know, he's a young guy. He's, uh, you know, got the look, that, that, that uh, Tom Cruise kind of look. So you can see him kind of uh, <laughs> angling to become oh, one of those uh, faces. Are you, are you at a circus? Is there, are you at a circus? That's not, I keep that's hearing divide. a clown cop. What's going on back there? That's the vibe. My God, listen, this ain't Bonham and Bailey. Turn that off. I, I'm, just let, I'm just letting them know there's some clowns in the background on that one. And you ain't lying. No, I, <laughs> well, quit squeezing their nose. talking sports. <laughs> I'll let them know there's some clowns out there. I'm here to hurry you know, up and tell you. Tell you. <laughs> I, yeah, want to, I didn't want to. I didn't want to interrupt you. I like Derek Carr. Yeah, I know, but you shoot. I thought, I'm looking for confetti to start coming out or something. <laughs> right? Where's the pet monkey? Uh, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it, Derek Carr. <laughs> All right. So let's go on to number four. This one is going to be which teams from the uh, 2015 NFL playoffs will not make the playoffs this year. 
So, uh, Devon, we'll start with you. Which team from last year's playoffs do you see falling off and not being able to make it back? Uh, Washington. Um, and part of it is I, I think that um, uh, you've got to be strong up the middle. They're young. They haven't really um, defined their center spot, offensive line, which I think is going to struggle running the, game, running the ball. You know, I think that obviously they got, they got strength in their receiving core, but, you know, I, you know, I don't I, – I just don't – I feel like there's a drop-off happening there. Um, and then Josh Norman, I love him, but, you know, he's not really a shutdown corner. He's a, he's a situation corner. I think he's going to have a great year. But I think part of the hype coming in is going to put some pressure on him. And, if you know, he's got, he's got uh, Antonio Brown, I think, coming out first week. Antonio put it on him. You know, that could make it really hard for him in Washington um, going down the stretch. Um, and then you know, they did move D'Angelo Hall to safety. Um, but I still think that their front seven still needs a little bit of work. I just, I just think they just might miss it. I think the NFC East is probably going to maybe get one. And I just don't think it's going to be them. Okay. And I, I'm with you on the uh, Redskins. Um, that's not the team I picked, but I'm definitely feeling that, that pick. Um, and part, particularly because – we all know it's easy to kind of come off the bench and kind of if you got some skills to kind of show out a little bit that first year as a starter. It's what you do that second year to me when you're a starter and the league has had a whole season of film to watch what you do well, watch what you don't do well. If you're going to be good, it's going to be after that second year as a starter. And if you can hold it down for two years, usually that's a pretty good indicator that you have what it takes to be a decent to above average NFL quarterback for a long period of time because we've all seen those flash in the pan guys who can do it for a year. But once the league kind of catches up or, you know, as we talk about once they uh, can't outplay the scout report, um, then, then things start to unravel a little bit. And I will see what Kirk does. I'm still on the fence about it. And they can't, yeah. And they can't blame RD three. So even some of the stuff, I think the coaches were getting some cover on because RG three was still in there. Some coaches are not going to get the freedom of that with with the fans either. So, a lot of these people are able to like build some stuff and and, and kind of use RG RG three as a shield. He's no longer there. So whatever happens is associated with whatever your team did or didn't do. Right, right. All right, Hank, your pick. Yeah, I'm going with the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos, and I got several reasons why. Number one, you know they really dropped the ball and kicked it out of bounds when they did not address the quarterback situation. You're starting with Trevor Simeon, who was uh, at Northwestern, and at Northwestern he was platooning with Kane Coulter. Y'all know who Kane Coulter is, but he was one of those main players at Northwestern that was trying to get uh, unionized uh, football players. But it ain't got nothing to do with the season. All right, that's just a little history for you. But the, but the point is you got Trevor Simeon and, you, and you've got um, – the other kid that I keep – his name fails me now. But anyway, oh, no. Yeah, Paxton Lynch. Thank you. So I'm not, I'm not sold on that. Denver's going to have a fine defense. Their defense is going to be solid. But Denver has one of the toughest schedules in the NFL going into next year, okay? So you have to ask yourself – and then also Super Bowl hangover. All right, you just, we just mentioned some teams, and all of the teams uh, that we talked about, that, that that could be potentially going to the playoffs, your Jacksonville, the Jets, okay, Indianapolis. 
These teams are going to get coming hungry and they're coming hard, okay? One of those teams are going to make the playoffs. That means that somebody is not going to make it, all right? So you have a lot going on with Denver, and I, I don't see – and I see that they have enough adversity that they could probably be a 500 team or less, and that's not going to get it in. All right, all right. Sound logic with that one. Um, I do think, you know, I think people are underestimating Peyton Manning. I'm not a big Peyton Manning fan, but he didn't have a great season. I think people using the rationale, well, he wasn't very good last year, and they still won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but he's really smart. And yeah, he, he can make some really good decisions. And he probably got them out of way more bad decisions, bad situations, than we can quantify because we don't know the play yeah. You know what I mean? We don't know what was right. called at the line, called coming out of the huddle, and then when he changed it to at the line of scrimmage, that may not have resulted in a touchdown, but it didn't result in an interception either. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I'm with you. I don't think Trevor Simeon is going to make those decisions. I don't think he's going to be able to pull the trigger like that. You can't underestimate uh, Peyton Manning's uh, influence in the locker room either, okay? Uh, when he Absolutely. spoke, people listened. And, and when you, you're talking about two quarterbacks right now just on your roster that – don't have any, you know, starter experience. And, and and you're coming off of a Super Bowl championship, a lot of these guys are going to just pack up their money, Von Miller, and just chill this year. Yeah. yeah. And Von yeah. Miller need to stop doing them crazy commercials. That's my uh, point. Don't worry, be happy commercials. <laughs> That's my point. Exactly my wearing point. them crazy clothes. It exactly. ain't cool on defense, Absolutely. man. Some of that stuff ain't cool, man. Absolutely. So the team that I think that made the playoffs last year that may be in jeopardy of not making the playoffs this year, um, for obvious reasons, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, um, I think they still have a very strong defense. I'm just – I don't know what Sam Bradford is going to be, man. And you're getting them a week before the season starts, losing Bridgewater hurts. Yeah, they're still going to run the ball a lot. But I just just think there's something about – I felt like that was a punch in the gut, um, and it kind of took the wind out of the sails of the organization and the, and the players. You know, you talk, you hear about kind of players wailing and howling on the field during the practice when Bridgewater got hurt. That's traumatic, man. And that is. I, th- I think I think it's, I think there's going to be a hangover from that, where they're going to start thinking about they're going to lose a couple of games. They're going to start thinking about what could have been. Um, because that North division, I think, is going to be a lot tougher than people give it credit for. You know, people kind of writing off the Bears. I think they, they're going to be a tougher team than people give them credit for. I think Detroit is going to bounce back and surprise some people. Um, Green Bay, I think, is going to be solid again. Um, how good will depend on Jordy Nelson's knees. Um, if Jordy comes back and he's the old Jordy, they'll be very good. And Minnesota's going to be in the mix, but I think they're just going to miss the playoffs. Um, because I think we're going to see the Atlanta Falcons improve, the New Orleans Saints get better, maybe Tampa Bay from the NFC South. I think the NFC South is, to me, the most competitive division in the NFC, and I think we may see two teams um, come out from that division, plus two teams um, coming out from the AFC West uh, with Arizona and Seattle. And then you got the East winner and the North winner, which leaves one wild card spot. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much, yeah. So if you get two, you got the East winner and the North winner, and there's no room for the Vikings if they don't win the division. And I don't see them winning the division. I see them being competitive. I see them being good, but I don't see them winning the division. Um, I think the Packers or the Lions will wind up winning that division um, in the NFC North. Um, so Did you say the Lions? I'm kind of down on the Vikings. 
I did say the Lions. I think the Lions are going to be better than people think, man. I really do. I know it hurts losing Megatron, um, but, you know, sometimes sometimes losing a guy makes other people have to step up. Or may, they may have been kind of uh, not, not, not really engaged that much. Um, I think it's going to make some other guys have to step up. And it may make them a little and bit. I like the and I like the Jones a little bit up. better. I like the Jones. I like the Marvin Jones Jr. pickup. Look, look, look! Please, please, please. Okay, we've had some stimulating conversation this to tonight. Don't make me have to put you in that clown car where D is at. Don't pick the lion. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Listen, man. I know for you Michigan folks, y'all have no faith in the lion, and I understand why. I got faith in the Lions. I got faith that they're going to disappoint like they do every year. I got a lot of faith in the Lions. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I understand. When it comes to the Lions, I say go Pistons. <laughs> go Tigers. Let's get go the Red Wings out here. Go Red Wings. Go Blue. I listen. I understand. Y'all have no reason. It's one of those things. You have no reason to trust the Detroit Lions at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to save you, brother. There's people listening to you now. I'm trying to save you. You don't want to come back on here and say, what I tell you? what I tell you? It's not as bad. You know, people say, well, maybe this year they'll be better. Maybe I'll hit the lottery without buying a ticket. There's always hey, a chance. I'm trying to root for my guy. He's from Beloit, Wisconsin. I'm hoping he can lead him. You know, I'm okay. hoping oh, Coach man. can get him there, man. <clears throat> we trying to get the hometown guy. We trying to get him. We trying to give him some love. Okay, well. All right. We, we, we you know. All right. We, 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 we trying to keep you happy. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna finish up this five on the black hand side. Top five. Top five. Super Bowl contenders. Hank, go. Okay. Arizona, Carolina, and I got to say, preface that with whoever gets the home field. Okay. New England, Seattle, and Green Bay. Okay. All right. All right. So we got Carolina, Arizona, Seattle, Green Bay, and New England. So we got four NFC teams. One AFC team. So you're down on the AFC this year, I see. I Listen, I, I, I'm looking at the AFC. There's a lot of young talent there. But the thing that, that, that gets me is you, you can't look at – when you look at the NFC, you can see some teams that are just strong, that can run away with it. They get on the road. Seattle, the West is stacked. The West is flat-out stacked, all right? When you look at the, when you look at, uh, the, the, the AFC, it's going to go through New England. Tom Brady's going to come back. Something about Bill Belichick, he just knows how to get it done. All right? And, we, and he doesn't have anybody. You, you could say Andrew Luck, but they've got to, they've got to get it done. And, and everybody we've talked about now, uh, there's some question marks. Not talent, but question marks. And can they get it done in the playoffs? So when you think about that, you know, you, you look at the teams that's gotten it done and, and what they have. It's hard for me to. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a bloodbath in the NFC. But I just think that until somebody else steps forward, and Denver's not going to be there, it remains to be seen who that second team is. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. D. Wills, give me your top five. Uh, I got New England, Seattle, Arizona, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. 
Mm. Okay. So uh, you said you had New England, Arizona, Seattle, C- yeah. Seattle, Carolina, Pittsburgh. So you don't have Green Bay. All right. And you got Pittsburgh in the no. place of a uh, Green where Hank has Green Bay. Got it. Yeah. So tell me why you, you have the Steelers in your in your uh, top five. Um, I, I think obviously I, I, I think they got a strong offense, but I, what I've been watching them do is they're building a really good defense. They got a lot of young pieces. Um, last year was like a, a, a learning period for them, transitioning you know over the past couple of years from Palomalu's leadership, and I think you're going to really see the defensive side of their ball pick up. I, I think their covers, the way they drafted, they got better cover guys uh, uh, now in their defensive backfield. I think will strengthen their blitz game. So I think their defense is going to be probably move up three, you know, up towards the, you know, between if not in the top 10 and that 10 to 11 range, which would be good for that offense. Um, so I think that's part of it. I just think their defense is going to be better because their young guys they've been grooming are, are, are ready to, to perform. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll give you my top five. Um, I have Carolina. I have Seattle. I have New England. I have – now, this is where mine gets a little, and I'll explain. I have Indianapolis. And then out of, this, out of the NFC, the other team I have is Green Bay. Now, again, with Indianapolis, I'm looking at this like last year at this time, if we would have had to do, do a top five, I don't think any of us would have picked Carolina, Right. None of us would have picked Carolina to be a possible Super Bowl contender. Nobody saw that coming. And that's the way it goes oftentimes. When Seattle won their first Super Bowl, nobody really saw that coming. You know, nobody really – you don't really see it until you start seeing it, until they start playing the games. Um, so I think there's going to be at least one team that is not on everybody's radar from the start of the season that's going to – be there at the end, and I'm trying to find that one team. So that one pick I got, that, that one lottery ticket I got in my top five is the Indianapolis Colts because that's the only other team with a quarterback in the AFC that I think might be able to – that might look like a Super Bowl caliber quarterback at some point in the season because uh, everybody else I don't trust. <laughs> other than Brady, yeah, and, and, I don't really and, trust. And Roethlisberger, he's, and my, he's, 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 I, I kind of trust Roethlisberger. But Pittsburgh and that North, it's so difficult. <laughs> Anything can happen, and they, they've had a hard time staying healthy. Yeah, and, and my thing with Pittsburgh is that the biggest part of it has because they lean so much on offense because their defense is in transition. My biggest thing with Indianapolis is did they fix the line? And I'm not sure if they fixed the offensive line. And do they have a championship defense or something close? That part, I right. those are two – with Carolina, we knew they had a championship-style defense. We had some some sense of that. It was whether or not – and we knew they had a great quarterback. We weren't sure if they were going to find the requisite pieces on offense to move it. But we knew Cam had the ability to do it, and we knew they had a championship defense. What I don't see with Indianapolis is I don't see dominance on either side of their field. Like, you can't, right. like the defense is in transition and the offensive line – I still don't know if it's been resolved. That's the only thing that's keeping me from from really being supportive of them. I, I agree with everything else you said. I, I I agree, and I, and the thing that I think when I look at it is, that I think we, we, if we look at care where Carolina was at the beginning of the last season, 
their defense, I think, was legit, and we could like we, that, that we vouch for their defense. Like you know, what I'm saying if we got to get the defense into the club, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We'd even like, yeah, that's my guy. He with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Carolina <laughs> offense, we were like, I don't know about that dude. <laughs> I don't know about this other dude though. <laughs> but the thing that made the Carolina offense work was they had a superstar quarterback. Because if you look at the mm-hmm. pieces that are offense, you put any other quarterback behind center, that offense ain't working. <laughs> I yeah. your best receiver is Jericho Cotri, and your next <laughs> you make Ted Ginn useful. You know what I'm saying? Like Ted Ginn had the best season of his whole daggone career. I mean, he scored more touchdowns last season than he scored in his entire career. I. And that was all. I didn't even know he was, was still in the league last year. <laughs> exactly, and those were the starting receivers. So that offense was still boo boo, <laughs> all right. But they had a transcendent talent in <laughs> Cam Newton, who made it all work. And again, he may have covered up holes in, in what may not have been the best offensive line in the world. Um, but when you got a guy behind center who can patch things up. Like, the Packers are always trying to figure out their offensive line. But you wouldn't know that if you weren't in, in Wisconsin and you didn't get the, the constant stream of news coming out of Green Bay about the about the team that they are constantly worried about their offensive line and feel like their offensive line isn't where they need to be. If you're not from here, you wouldn't know that because you just see Rodgers getting rid of the ball. And he makes that offensive yeah. line look much better than it actually is. And Peyton Manning has done that, and Tom Brady has done that. That's why the Patriots are always trading offensive linemen. Get them out of here. We got Tom. He's going to get rid of it before you hit him. Right? He's going to get rid of it before you hit him. He don't like being hit. So, you know, I think I think a talent like Luck, if he is what he's supposed to be, he should be. He's the one guy who may be able to overcome subpar units on his side of the ball. But he don't got a defense that I would vouch for. I give you, I do, I do agree with you on that. I'm not getting his defense into the club. Not on my name. <laughs> not on my name. I ain't putting that on my rep. <laughs> so we go transition. Uh, D. Wills is going to take us, and he's going to lead Hank. So I'm going to slide over off ball now. D. Wills is going to get a Sherm Douglas on. And hit him with that Syracuse crossover. Right. Uh, and him and Hank going right. to get to work with this inside park portion of the show. You listen to the Real Sports yeah. Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSD Renegade Radio, hitting you off with one mic. D. Wills, you go ahead and take it over. Well, y'all know this is the part of the show. This is what makes one mic so special. Uh, one of the things that I say is, is, is probably one of the best segments in, in all of sports radio uh, about baseball. You know, it's, it's 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 similar to Chris Berman's, you know, uh, 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 late night uh, run where he goes through all the highlights, you know, and he has Jackson there. It's that it's on that level of stuff, and it's to us. This is our this is our gem when it comes to our contributions to the to the baseball sphere. It's the inside of the park with our guy Hank, and let me drop it for you.
still play. You know, back in the day when you only had four divisions, okay, in each league, you know, half the teams had what we would call highway eyes. They already had the golf clubs out. They wasn't doing anything. They couldn't get people out to the ballpark. But now, oh, now, everybody is in it. You got four, five, six teams that have made they, they were sellers at the trade deadline. But now they look up, there are a couple of two or three uh, games out of the wild card spot. I can, we can still play. People still come to the ballpark. They still spend their money. They still out out there. I'm cheering. We got a shot. We got a shot. Well, skirt. Slow your roll. Let's look inside these numbers a little bit. Okay, standing, say you four and a half games out. Okay, you like say you the New York Yankees. Let's use the Yankees for an example. You know, Yankees sold off everybody. Okay, they got a couple of two or three players now that's going that's that's retiring. They're bringing in all these youngsters to really start to galvanize for the future as noble. But you look at the standings of your Yankee fans, and yeah, but we're but four and a half games out of the final playoff spot. We have a shot. Well, let's look inside them numbers and let's see what you got, what we're talking about here, okay? So here we are today, September 7th, right? There's roughly 24, 25 games, depending upon where you are in your schedule, okay, if, you, if you're the Yankees, if you are anybody else. We're down to the last few games of the season. Out of 162 ball games, we're down to the last 25. All right, so for the Yankees, you have to look at what constitutes a winning record to get into the playoffs, okay? You can do a little tabulating and everything, but let's just say you got to get to 88 wins. Let's make 88 wins the magic number, okay? If I can get to 88 wins, chances are I can make the playoffs, all right? So let's look at the Yankees right now, all right? I'm not going to bore you with their record, but I'm going to tell you this. In order for the Yankees to get to 88 wins, because this is not a math class, but I just want to kind of get you to understand. In order for the Yankees to get to 88 wins this season, they would have to go 17-9 and or 17-8 and in these last few ball games. okay? They've only done that maybe one other time this season, okay? and that was earlier in the year. They would have to go 17-8. and They'd have to win 17 of their last 20-something ball games to get to the playoffs, okay? Conversely, you look at the Boston Red Sox, who's tied for first place, okay, or the Detroit Tigers, who only have to play 500 ball down the stretch to get to 88 wins. So, see, while we're sitting here, I'm not trying to bust nobody's bubble. Go out there and hope, okay? You got a better chance of the – New York Yankees going 17-9, and then the Detroit Lions making the playoffs. Sorry, Marcus, I had to bring that back up. I'm just trying to keep you close. But I digress, getting back to baseball. Okay, so this is what we're looking at when we're looking at the wild card. But the wild card does what it's supposed to do. It gets you the fan in cities like New York, in cities like Miami, to still go to the ballpark, spend your hard-earned money in hopes for something to happen. And it just might. Baseball is a, is, a, is a quirky sport that way, and things like that happen all the time. But that's your reality. So, you know, we're going into this stretch. We're going to pay very close attention to what happens. This is the kind of type of year where you can get really excited or you can get real disappointed. You start to hang on every victory, every pitch. Okay, and this is the fun part of baseball. The, oh, everything else up to this point of the year is about getting the family out, going out to the ballpark, enjoying a hot dog and a beer. But now we're coming down to brass tacks, and you need to stay tuned. I'm going to let you know what I think is going to happen going going forward. 
But I want to talk a little bit, speaking of baseball, speaking of, uh, of these teams. You know, several years ago when uh, we had the three-man crew on Inside the Park, we had Jonah Carey on. Jonah Carey is an author. He's, he's from Canada. He was talking about the move of the Montreal Expos down to the Washington, now they are the Nationals. We also talked about during that segment how these teams try to build teams through through numbers, through sabermetrics. Uh, we talked a little bit about Moneyball and Billy Bean over in Oakland, and we talked about Tampa Bay doing all these things to build these teams. I want to ask a question, and the question I want to ask is, how is that working out for you, Tampa? How's that working out for you, Oakland? You know, I look at these teams, and, you know, we, they talked about where well, you build up all your, your farm system, and before these players start getting too expensive, you keep doing these things. Well, you look at the Oakland A's right now. Nobody's going to the Coliseum to watch them play. Nobody's going to Tropicana Field to watch Tampa Bay play. You know why? They sold off all the players. Okay? You have, you have Evan Longoria, the last Mohican. In Tampa, all right? I can't even tell you anymore who's in Oakland, okay? I know that Coco Chris went back to Cleveland. Sonny Gray is on the shelf. So what do you have? You have all this money ball crap. You go and get – you you, you have uh, Jonas Cespedes. You have Josh Donaldson. You have an opportunity to do something, and then you sell everybody off. To me, I think it's, it, it, it's ridiculous. I think it's just a nice, keen way – of owners to tell their their fans, hey, we're going to do it this way because it works. It works for a season or two, but yet it has not yet gotten these teams a championship. They haven't gotten a champion. They haven't sniffed a championship. The Tampa Bay Rays, I want to say 2003, last time they went, the only time they went to the World Series, the only time, the only time. And the thing is about it is they weren't going to beat the, the Phillies that year. wasn't going to happen. Okay, Phillies were strong. You know why? They spent some money, honey. They spent some money to make sure that they had a team that could get it done. Now, you could say today, well, look, the Phillies are uh, they're paying for it now, but you ask any of those Philadelphia fans, what would they rather have, that championship or money ball? I don't think there's anything to it. And, and, and on the other piece of that, I'm going to bring up um, my boy R.J. R.J. was a sabermetrician of the, of the uh, inside the park. All right, where these numbers, this war, uh, um, uh, wins above replacement, I think it's garbage. I'm going off script here. I think it's garbage. Why? Because baseball is played by human beings, okay, with emotion, just like football, just like the rest of these sports, all right? And players, while baseball is more stat-heavy than the rest of them, what, gets me, what drives me nuts is I'm going to build a team based upon numbers. But then you get out there between the lines and say, well, he does this, he does that. It doesn't mean anything, especially in September and October, all right? You want to go get managers that are sabermetricians, okay? And then you go and you see Dusty Baker, okay, an old-school manager, will probably be manager of the year. You see uh, Joe Madden, an old-school manager that does quirky stuff, probably be a manager of the year candidate, okay? Why? Because they go on instinct. They watch their players. They watch their teams. The numbers are great, okay? And for the nerds out there, y'all keep counting, okay? Keep sniffing them. But baseball is played on gut and instinct, and it shows itself time and time and time again. All right. So we're going to keep this story going, all right? So we get to the point now in the show where I 
I have to now start getting you really toned in, really focused on what's going on in baseball. So I'm going to bring you the Grand Slam Series of the Week. Okay, I got two of them for you this week because we're getting right down to it. You got these teams, they are tighter. They, 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 you could put them in, in, a, in a pillowcase, they're so tight. We start off with what we just talked about, the teams that are deadlocked in the East, in the American League, Red Sox and the Blue Jays, the red against the blue. You know, So here we go. And in a three-game series, somebody's going to come out of there in first place. Don't miss that one. Also, you got the Orioles and the Tigers. A game starting tonight separated these two teams. They're going to be in Comerica Park this weekend. All right, so you got a chance to watch some playoff baseball before the playoffs. You don't want to miss those series. They're out there for you. Now, if i got to have the Grand Slam, I've got to have the swing and a miss series of the week as well. And this is for you folks that, you know, the summer's over. Yeah, the kids is back to school. you got to, you got to go pick them up. But you know what? I still want to have some semblance of the summer left. So I'm going to go watch a ball game, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of money. I suggest you go watch the Rockies play the Padres where Tyler Chatwood is going against Luis Perdomo with his 5.92 earned run average. You might ask me, who are these guys? I might tell you, I don't know, and I'll be telling you the truth. But we, but um, but but stay tuned because there's got a lot more baseball. And the next time we come back, next time we are on the air, we're gonna have this whole playoff picture. We hope we we'll go. We hope we're gonna have the whole playoff picture ironed out. Okay, that's it for inside the park. Ball game over, and y'all drive home safe. Hi, this is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Whoopig. Welcome back to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RIC Renegade Radio. That was Hank just killing it with the Inside the Park segment where he takes you deep, deep into baseball. Uh, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to talk some college. we got about 10 minutes left, fellas. Um, I want to get into some college football. Hank. I know you are locked in on college football right now, and up in yeah. A Square in Ann Arbor, you guys are on fire because you're liking what you're seeing with the Wolverines. Just give me some highlights of some things that you saw, both from the Wolverines but from other teams around the country, this opening weekend during the college football season. Well, just starting with my, with my beloved uh, Maize and Blue, they look solid. They look like a well-prepared, well-coached team. They look like a team that can compete. Um, you don't necessarily look at the opponent all the time. You look at how your team looks, and I thought they looked very, very good. Alabama is just another NBA, is another NFL team. I mean, what they did to uh, 
Uh, USC was abysmal. I think when you look at uh, LSU, that was a disappointment. I know I know D. Wills don't want to hear that. But this team was much more talented man for man than the Wisconsin squad. And what they showed out at Lambeau Field was abysmal. Why they don't have a quarterback at this point with everything Les Miles has, you know, he's on the hot seat. That that's that to me spells the end of that coach. And he's a Michigan man, but I, that's that's just the truth. You know, that's just the truth. But I got to tell you, I love what I saw at Texas. I'm a Charlie Strong fan, and I I love the fact that that team is exciting. They're exciting to watch. You see those recruits, and you can see that's another team that's very well coached, and they're going to be very exciting this year. That's a dark horse. Okay, okay. D. Wills, any observations from the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely. I was I was on campus uh, last January at uh, Austin, and uh, you know, folks got a lot of love for Charlie. We're just rooting for him, and uh, we're just very happy for uh, how they play. You know, uh, Notre Dame, you know, didn't come in fully loaded, but I think his team competed and it's got something to build on. He's got a great. Uh, uh, freshman uh, quarterback, and then uh, the way he got swoops there, the line pulling pulling the reverse Tebow uh, down there, important. And, and I got to say, you know, uh, 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 I'm, I'm happy for, uh, for uh, Coach Chris because uh, both Hank and I talked about this. It's like he drew the short stick when we looked at his uh, his schedule. And we were talking about this in our previous podcast. I mean, I was wondering, uh, you know, how he was going to get that team through the gauntlet. And the, the part that I had the biggest question to mark because his defensive coordinator was now down at LSU um, was how their defense is going to play. You know, you know, where are they going to be able to play at a, a high level? And what I was most happy about is how they're competing uh, on, on defense. And they got Leonard back there who's, you know, big time, former Badger pro, now coming back working with that secondary. Um, and, and Wisconsin's biggest issues historically has been quarterback play, and it was a little shaky up front. So I was happy about that. Um, and so and where they're going, and that that really boded well for the Big Ten in terms of um, uh, uh, what um, they they're going to need to do in terms of being able to have teams ready for that Final Four. They needed that LSU uh, victory, and then USC, man. I just you know we talked about this. They are, I mean, it wasn't that they got beat, but they just got beat down. And to to go down like they went down um, is uh, they didn't they didn't they didn't compete. Um, and for me, that that's a major problem. Um, I don't know what you, you know where they go from here, but I mean, they really took it on the chin uh, there. The SEC struggled, um, and part of it is quarterback play. They, that's a league that's struggling with quarterback play. Great defenses, but what I noticed about the SEC is that they're in a quarterback transition, and uh, and, they, and they don't appear to have people who have imaginative offenses. And so, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves. Alabama can get away with that because they got such a dominant system. I don't know if some of those other teams can do that. Word, word. So, a couple of things I saw and then we're going to have you drop the mic, D-Wills. A couple of things I saw. One, uh, Texas. Good to see Texas football. Um, 
back doing things like they should be getting that win against Notre Dame. Charlie Strong looking like he has that program kind of moving in a good direction. They didn't look awesome, but they look competitive, and they haven't in the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm hoping uh, Charlie can hang on to that job, man. Anytime brothers get football coaching jobs, I'm rooting for them to do well. <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping he don't get Ty Willingham out there. Great <laughs> line. So I'm, 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 I'm hoping for all the success for that man. Um, I was very encouraged by Wisconsin going out and competing against LSU. They made a huge jump to 10. I mean, huge. That was a big yes. jump. The defense was really impressive. Um, you know, they kept Fournette bottled up for pretty much all but like seven minutes of the game. He got loose for a little bit, but they did a great job. Uh, is the SEC struggling? They struggled last weekend. You know you want to talk when people want to want to uh, want to spit nails in your coffin real fast. Um, they, they ain't nothing wrong with the SEC. They're going to be fine. <laughs> By bowl season, these yeah, the quarterbacks that you talk about being in transition will have 11, 12 games under their belt, and they're going to be racking up bowl wins as usual. I'm not an SEC guy, but they good down there. They just care more than everybody else. <laughs> They just do. It's different. It's just different down there, man. It's just different. There are a few places that can compare. I think Ann Arbor is on that list. Columbus is on that list. Um, but that's a short list, man. There aren't a lot of places. Texas, Oklahoma, maybe those places where they get down like the SEC, but the SEC is a different thing, man. It just is. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just different. <laughs> it's just different down there, man. Um, They're going to be all right. As Kendrick Lamar says, we're going to be all right. <laughs> so, D. Wills, I want you to drop the mic real quick. You got about a minute and a half, man. Hey, I just want to say this, man. Uh, I think the way Hank opened it up, you know, this is, you know, for people who do sports talk radio, you know, this is, you know, our holiday. You know, from this point until the end, the end of NBA uh, now in the NBA free agency season is kind of like our season. You know, after that, you know, we're kind of involved in conversations, you know, you know, we're going on vacation. But this for us last week was our kickoff. You can hear it in our voice and uh, you're going to get our energy. Uh, we're going to be hitting you with stuff, but I can't wait for this weekend to jump off. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to my Steelers doing stuff, but just the stories that are going to come out of this and, you know, in a time when, you know, I think, as Marcus put it, where we got so much going on, um, you know, I'm a big person on balance because, you know, uh, a lot of times I'm, I am pushing against the boundaries. I'm at the fringes in the work that I do. But in order to do that kind of work, you got to have balance. you got to have self-care. And for me, it's the reason why I do Real Sports Guys is a part of that self-care. It's the space where I draw my energy so Thank you for being on this journey with us. Uh, we're going to keep it moving, and it was just a pleasure tonight to be on the air with uh, Marcus and Hank. You know, it's everything that I thought it would be tonight, and I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Please check us out on iTunes, on realsportsguys.com. Subscribe. we got more dropping on you. Marcus is going to be dropping some stuff coming up here pretty soon. Um, and and uh, uh, in terms of his new podcast he's been running, um, we got a lot of stuff going on, and so uh, we, we are, are definitely going to be uh, we look forward to getting back with our brother Phil uh, when he gets back with us and, uh, you know, um, being part of it and supporting him, um, you know, at this time. But uh, 
you know, it's just uh, you know one of those things I really love, and uh, I can't I can't wait for tomorrow night to get here. I always tell it to. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.